Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we're two very different Jews talking Torah together. This week, the Parsha is Tazria in the book of Leviticus. So, in this week's Parsha, it's about all about ritual impurity, menstrual bleeding, seminal missions, skin diseases. Except we're not going to focus on that. At least, I hope we're not, Dove, because as close as we've become as podcast buddies, I think I have to draw the line at discussing semen and periods with you. I think I'm okay with that, Abby. Good. <laughs> so we're in the same place, a safe place. But in reading the Parsha this week, uh, I kept coming back to the laws around skin disease because they demand that a person be separated from the rest of the camp, essentially from the rest of community. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of highlights an ostracism that can come with illness in Judaism that I struggle with, that banishment. It seems like it's Judaism at its harshest. And even when you've given birth, it's like, stay back. It's not this sort of joyful moment. It's the moment of like, no one wants to touch you. You have your period, stay away. You have an unsightly rash, see you later. All right, well, wait a minute. I think that's an overgeneralization. I mean, in the Torah, if you have a ritual impurity, really, for the most part, all that means is don't enter into the sanctuary, the mishkan, or, you know, later, which became the temple. Um, but otherwise, people were just part of their daily life, and they were in the camp, and there was not an ostracism. It was really the mitzora, which is a person with a skin disease, who was, he was the one who was sent outside the camp and away from where everyone lived. Well, let's see what it says. We're in Leviticus, right? It's uh, verse 12, 1 to 13, 59 for anyone following. When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling, a rash, or a discoloration, this is when I start to squirm, get squeamish, <laughs> and it develops into a scaly affection on the skin of his body, it shall be reported to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, the priest. Why don't you read the next one? All right. If it is a white discoloration on the skin of his body, which does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall isolate the affected person for seven days. And it goes on from there. So it sounds like quarantine. Mm. So just to be clear, even though this skin condition, which is a visible skin eruption known as tsa'arat, am I pronounced tsa'arat? Yep. yep. It's, it's often referred to as leprosy by kind of anyone I've ever heard talk about this, but that's not actually accurate. Right. That is correct. It is not technically leprosy. Tzarat in the Torah, as we just read, as you just read, is described as like a type of a white or red colored spot, which are otherwise harmless. You know, and even the Torah even says that they can appear on garments or on a person's house. Leprosy, you know, is a disease which affects um, only the body, not house or garments, and it causes paralysis. It's anything but harmless. So uh, the reason behind this is because the English translations of the Torah ma made a jump to the word leprosy because the ancient Greek translation of the Torah, which was known as the Septuagint, you know, translated the word sarad as lepra, which means rough or scaly skin, um, and lepra became leprosy. But nowadays you will find more accurate translations that say scaly affliction or something like that rather than leprosy. Well, here we go. We've just heard another moment where this podcast blows the <laughs> lid off of common Torah myths. Leprosy is not actually leprosy. Just like there's no apple mentioned in the Garden of Eden and there's no rib mentioned when Adam and Eve are created. Yep, we're all about correcting fake news on this podcast. Or disillusionment, 101. But it sounds like we're designating someone a pariah because of an illness, which he or she can't control. And that just seems honestly cruel. 
I mean, it's antithetical to the Jewish commandment, as I've read it, to visit the sick or to welcome the stranger. Doesn't this bother you? Well, look, Abby, um, I said before that this really is the exception. This is the one case— You know, when you say my name, I know you're serious. (laughs) This is the one case where we do this. And as you know, uh, there's a very big mitzvah and value of visiting the sick. You know, the Talmud even says that when you visit the sick, you take away some of their illness, which could maybe have an idea, you know, maybe you're risking something of yourself, and nevertheless, you're supposed to visit the sick. Um, Here, I think that it's important to know that in this one case, the rabbis stress that the reason somebody gets tzara'ah this skin disease is not a natural punishment, and it's a—it's not. Excuse me. The reason that somebody gets sarat, this skin disease, it's not a natural occurrence, but it's actually seen as a divine punishment, as God punishing a person for lashon hara for evil speech. But that's not in the Bible. So where do the rabbis get the idea that this rash is a kind of retribution or payback for evil speech? So mostly it's from other stories in the Torah where someone gets this rash. So an, a, a good example is when Miriam and Aaron gossip about Moses because he married a Kushite uh, woman, an Ethiopian woman. Then it says that Miriam was smitten with tsara'at, with this skin disease, and that was directly after talking and gossiping about her brother. I think maybe it also is because of the issue we raised. Maybe they're being sensitive to the fact about why are we isolating this person? What did this person do to deserve? So our tradition teaches that gossip is cause for getting a skin rash and exile. Our tradition teaches that evil speech is not just harmful to one person, you know, that the, that it sows discord among many people. So the gossiper has to be exiled because he or she is disruptive to, like, the social order and the well-being and the fabric of the entire community. Um, another justification, you know, in the Talmud is that if someone is going to, bet- or a way to understand the problem of Lashon Hara, evil speech, is that if someone is going to betray us by revealing our secrets to other people, then God will punish that person by making them their blemishes, you know, physically manifest and obvious to all. Like you can see it. This right. person is a gossiper. They're wearing it on their skin. Exactly. Well, it's still upsetting to see that instead of us humanizing the infirm, we stigmatize them. Because to me, it reinforces a kind of elitism that we only want good-looking people around us. And when we find someone who's difficult to look at, we put them out of our sight. So it seems we're going back and forth on this because if you generalize, that's what you would sort of conclusion you would reach. But I see this as an exception. I I also want to say that before we judge the Torah, you know, maybe we need to ask ourselves if we don't do the same thing. I mean, in the past, even when people were seriously sick or dying, uh, you know, when you had nuclear communities and families, they would be cared for in their homes with their family and loved ones around them. But now we send people to hospitals and nursing homes. So obviously they get a lot of care there and maybe that's good for them. But sometimes I think it's also a way of putting them away. So it makes it better because we do it also? No, look, it doesn't solve the problem in the Torah, but sometimes, like in a case like this, it's helpful for us to use the Torah as a mirror to society. So Society today. Society today. So I don't think we would normally think about the fact that people go into hospitals and nursing homes as a type of, you know, exile, uh, exile, exactly. But when we see it in the Torah and then we get shocked about it in the Torah, we can actually maybe also see it in our society as well. And am I right that the Torah says the outcast isn't permanently gone? Like Miriam was invited back after her rash. Uh, The community 
uh, waited for her, right? They didn't continue on their journey until she could rejoin them. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, if we extrapolate it to today, I think we could say that if someone leaves our camp, quote unquote, if they, if they go into a hospital or they go into an assisted living facility or something of the like, then how do we do that and ensure that we continue to keep that person among us and in our community and care for that person? So stay in touch, you know, visit, stay connected. Don't go on with our lives as though they lo- no longer exist. So maybe this Parsha is reminding us to reach out to the outcasts. You know, it reminds me of, I don't know if you read Andrew Solomon's book, uh, 2012. He wrote this incredible, I think it, I could call it seminal book, Far From the Tree, where he interviewed family after family who faced ostracism because a child was born with autism, dwarfism, deafness, and the parents had defied the isolationism that Mm -hmm, their society mm -hmm. imposed. They were just insistent that their children would stay involved and connected to the world. Yeah, uh, that is a wonderful book. I haven't read it all. It's a very large and thick group, both, uh, very, excuse me, a very large and thick book. But uh, I completely agree, Abby, with uh, with the sentiment. And I really think that we're on the same page here. So that's more healing <laughs> than calamine lotion. <laughs> I suppose so. Shabbat shalom, Abby. Shabbat shalom. We hope you'll join us next time for Parsha in Progress. I'm Abby Pogrevin. And I'm Dove Linzer. Nice to talk to you, Dove. Nice talking, Abby. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Rabbi Dove Linzer and Abigail Pogrebin. It's produced by Shira Talishkin and edited by Sophia Steiner-Evoy. The show is executive produced by Josh Cross, Jacob Siegel, and Tablet Magazine.